Welcome to the Be Light Podcast, where we discuss letting go of the mess, being the light God calls us to be, and not only being the light, but actually feeling light as we release it all and experience the unsurpassing joy of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you leave feeling encouraged and a little lighter. Hi, everyone. We are sitting here still in Texas, I'm chatting with my mom this morning. We were having some time outside, having coffee, and really before she even arrived, I was having my quiet time and I was writing my journal and I had just wrote down the verse Psalm 5110 that says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I was just, you know, praying and working through some things uh, mentally <laughs> as usual, um, just trying to figure out you know, where God wants me to be um, with Him and, you know, questioning why I struggle with that so much. And my mom came outside at that point and we started talking and in the middle of us talking, she was like, I have, I had a revelation. <clears throat> and so um, it was something, it was just really cool and it really spoke to my heart. So I wanted to um, jump on here and let her share that today. Hey everybody. Well, I hope I can articulate it the way... Um, that makes sense. In fact, you know what? I'm going to open up with prayer. God, I just pray right now that you will speak through me and say what you want to say. Well, when we were talking, I just felt like God was speaking to my heart. And this is what I saw. That we were originally created to be with God uninterrupted. Adam and Eve were created in this world with God, it was just the three of them in the beginning, and there was no sin. They just lived in pure joy, just joy, because they were in God's presence. That's the key. They were in God's presence. We were originally created to be in the presence of God. And there's a verse in Acts 2.28, You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. It's really interesting. It's not in church. It's not reading all the books. It's not in prayer. Now, all those things are ways, of course, to encourage and inspire us. But that's not it. It is God. God is God. God is everything. Everything that is good is God. Everything that is life is God. And when we're in his presence, we have joy. Well, how do we get in his presence? Keeping our mind there. Now, <clears throat> Jesus said it's going to be tough. He did. And, and he warns us about trials, but he also says he's the victory. So when we practice the presence of God, and by the way, that is the name of a book by Brother Lawrence look it up. You can look it up on Amazon, but I'm telling you, it's outstanding. It, but you're just living in the presence of God, keeping your mind with God. And so when we venture out in our minds, trying to find that secret formula of, okay, I finally have it, or trying all these different ways and measures and things to get that peace, we get frustrated because that's not where the peace and the joy is. The peace is the presence of God, and that's where our minds need to stay. Yeah, and I love that because it just made it really even more clear to me that whenever I'm feeling that unrest and I'm feeling unsettled, 
I'm probably not in the presence of God because now I have focused more on this world, uh, maybe a story I heard, uh, a worry that I had um, that I'm now like spinning. I'm not in the presence of God when I'm doing that because in God, there's no fear. There's, there's only love. There's perfect love. And my mom brought up Brother Lawrence. And so for those of you that don't, haven't heard of Brother Lawrence, he um, was a monk. And um, there was a book written from some of the different letters that he, um, that between, it was between him and, I can't remember who it was between, it was between him and someone else. A I'm friend. Like, he a was friend. encouraging a friend. All it was was letters. Uh-huh. So um, one of the things that he says, he says, men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and set up devices to remind them of that love. And it seems like a world of trouble to bring oneself into the consciousness of God's presence. Yet it might be so simple. Is it not quicker and easier just to do our common business wholly for the love of him? And so I like that because even when this was written, it was talking about how people um, set up different things and different methods. And I'm like, well, if I just do this, and if I just do this, then I'll be closer to God. And, and that is so me. Like I'm always looking for like, I'll do, I'll do both. I'll have moments of like, okay, I just need to be still. And then I'm like, but how do I be still? Maybe I need to set up this time or maybe I need to do this. And, um, or I'm like, well, maybe if I just read this book or maybe if I just eat these foods and like <laughs> my mom said, like all of these things are not bad things they are good things, but the ultimate thing <laughs> is just focusing in on God. Um, and when I was looking this up more earlier, it was talking about different ways to do that. And obviously that's through obedience in him and following his word that's through worshiping him it's through putting our minds and our hearts on him before circumstance exactly and you know like i said we want to feel that feeling of oh i've arrived and the thing is paul never quote unquote arrived god gave him that thorn in the flesh and i know i've mentioned this before but it's very significant because Paul asked God three times, please take this from me. Well, is that any different than us asking, help us with our anxiety, help us with this problem, help us, help us, help us, help us. God flat out told Paul, no, not on this thorn in the flesh. He said, because you're going to discover my power in your weakness. You're going to discover surrender. So it's an ongoing participation with God, in God, not a formula. And there is no formula. It is a relationship. We've had some fires around our house the last, going on three days, and they're smoldering now, which is good. But I kept going outside and praying for rain. And what's ironic is there were thunderstorms and rain literally all around us. I could see torrents of rain coming down in a distance, in a complete circle almost, and even clouds over our head, <clears throat> but we were in a pocket, no rain. And I, and I prayed all kinds of prayers, you know, trying to almost like conjure it up, you know. And finally, I surrendered. And it, it really came last night. I said, Lord, I... I know that you tell me you're going to take care of our needs. I know you're going to protect us. <clears throat> I know you're going to take care of us. Well, you know, Lord, why do I feel so anxious? Why do I feel this inner unrest? Well, because my house might burn down. That might be why. <laughs> but 
But the thing is, is that it's a house, but I'm focused on the circumstance. And that's what he showed me. He said, Lynn, you keep coming outside, looking and looking and looking and looking and looking and praying and praying and praying. You've already prayed. You've already looked. But what you're doing is you're focusing on the circumstance. You're wondering about the flames. You're looking at the rain. Why aren't we getting the rain? And I even told God, and I'm real honest with God. I said, Lord, you already know my thoughts. I'm just going to say it. It just seems really unfair that it's raining all around us, but not where we need it on these flames. If you would just bring the rain. I mean, it's thundering and lightning all last night. No rain. Not where we are. And God clearly made it evident. He said, you know, Moses was being pursued by the Egyptians. It looked pretty bad. And he was blocked by the Red Sea. He did not look at the Egyptians and their chariots and horses. He looked to God. And I parted the Red Sea. And they got, they got away from their pursuers. You've got to look at me. You're looking at the rain, looking for the signs. Look at me. And I'm telling you now, a peace went through me. And then again, I felt like he said, all right, go in the house and enjoy your family. I'm your protector. Don't dwell anymore. And that was being in the presence of God. Yeah, and as we've talked about before, there's so many bigger things that are could be happening in that. My mom and I discussed mm. like the conversations up there between the neighbors. We talked about um, the firefighters. I said if one conversation happens that builds someone up or builds them closer to Christ, like it's worth it, like in the bigger scheme of things. We, there's just so many things that we don't see or understand that God can see just the bigger picture. And when we're talking about being in the presence of God, another quote from Brother Lawrence um, said, in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees in the chapel. And he talks about a lot in the book how even during the mundane duties that he's doing in the kitchen or he's working, um, he's constantly experiencing God, whether he's scrubbing pots and pans, whether he's in prayer, whatever it is, because we have that gift of being able to um, experience God's presence in all these things. And I know sometimes as a mom, um, you know, sometimes I think, oh, like, is this making a difference? Or I start thinking, oh, I could be doing this or that. And then I start thinking, you know what? God's placed me here in this moment for a reason. And I can experience him in this moment. And mom also discussed how it's, you know, challenging to do this. It takes practice. And it does, obviously. It's like a continual thing. Um, Sometimes she pointed out to me today, sometimes I have the tendency to think, okay, once I do this, then great. I've checked the box and I've arrived. And that's not, that's just not the case. And Brother Lawrence also said, As often as I could, I placed myself as a worshiper before him, fixing my mind upon his holy presence, recalling it when I found it wandering from him. This proved to be an exercise frequently painful, yet I persisted through all difficulties because he knew that that was the utmost thing that he needed to do um, in this life because whenever we're not doing that and we're sucked into this world, that's when we feel the unrest. That's when we feel the anxiety um, because we feel that separation from the way we are originally created to be, with, which is that continual communion with Him. Amber, that's an excellent point. You know, 
we get caught up in the things that we feel. And we talked about that before. Feelings seem so real. And they are real because we feel them. But feelings are derived from our thoughts. There's a verse. It's Psalms 56, 2 through 4. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now, we're not always being pursued by people that want to kill us or harm us, but we are constantly being attacked, whether it's spiritual, whether you're listening to the media, even watching a scary movie, even watching a funny movie. There's all kinds of stuff swirling around, attacking our minds, putting things in our minds, putting seeds in our minds, causing us to wonder, causing us to think causing us to dwell or desire things that we shouldn't even be aware of to begin with. Things like that. But the thing is, Satan wants us to focus in on those things. Like, well, why why do you hurt? Well, why is this person saying this to me? Oh, I just saw this movie. I wish I had a life like that. Oh, my neighbor just got a brand new car. I wish I had a car. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Anything that drives our thoughts away from the presence of God will bring anxiety, will bring heartache, will bring anger. Then it eventually branches out into our families and we start taking it out on people. We don't even know what's happening. It's so easy to let it just take a grip and springboard out and reach its tentacles out to hurt other people. But there's another verse that really goes along with practicing the presence of God. And this is um, really huge because, well, you'll see when I read it, it's Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 19. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down, excuse me, and when you get up. Bottom line is, God is telling us, think about my word like it's a natural part of your life. Talk about me to your kids. When they come to you, that's your opportunity. We need to raise our children. We need to discuss with our spouses. We need to talk to our friends. We need to pray with a neighbor. Whatever, but we need to practice the presence of God by fixing God's word in our mind. And the more we know God, the more we're in his presence and the more we're able to speak his word because we know more about him. Yeah, and it and it's so true that you often hear, and you know, I can be guilty of it as well, to where you put God in this one box or this one part of your life. But this other part of your life, like it's not, he's not there. And when in reality, God needs to filter through all areas of our life. It needs to be something that we filter decisions through. And while we watch movies or we have discussions with friends, God needs to be a part of all of it. And I think one of the ways I wrote um, this verse down this morning, um, Psalm uh, 51.10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Mm-hmm. And that is a scripture that I am going to commit to memory in the coming weeks, that every time that I feel my mind straying and I start feeling that division where I'm not practicing the presence of God, that I ask God to create in me a clean heart 
and that he will renew that right spirit within me. And it may be something I say a hundred times a day, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is a continual progression um, in that way, but it's also things that strengthen our walk because by doing that with repetition, I'm now practicing it. I'm now growing closer to God because it's something I'm doing continually. And in all that, my mind is on him and my heart is on him. Amber, that is excellent. And you know, you just brought to my mind a prayer for me to pray. Lord, make me aware of the things that I deliberately put in front of me that distract me from you. I mean, I have to be honest. There's things, you know, that I get very easily distracted. There's things that I like to see or like to do that may not be edifying, that may not bring me closer to God, that might distract me, that might even make me start quite, well, you know, that's not so bad. You know, like Amber said, there's there's the God part of us, and there's the, well, you know, I don't need to have that right now. Mm-hmm. And, what can I justify? <laughs> yeah, what can I justify? But, and the thing is, God is not going to put you on a guilt trip. When he does point something out to me, and he says, Lynn, this is, this is really not good. You really need to back away, or quit watching this, or quit... Quit thinking these thoughts. Quit quit judging or whatever. It could be anything. But God doesn't condemn us. He's saying, you know what? You're ready to hear this. I'm telling you this because I want to uplift you and draw you closer into my presence. And you know, anything that distracts us from God, does it really give us peace? Now, we might think it gives us momentary fun, <clears throat> momentary laughs, whatever. But does it give us peace? Or does it kind of bring into that what Amber just used, the word justification? Does it start compromising us? Compromise and justification outside of the word of God is just a way to ooch us away from the presence of God. And then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I'm anxious. Why am I anxious? wonder what's happening. You know, when I taught, I taught for years and years and um, I would sometimes set my alarm for five o'clock so I could spend my quiet time with God and that would kind of set the tone for the day. And sometimes I would do it like for a week or two and I'd be on a roll. I feel so good that the next day I'd go, oh, I can sleep because I feel really good. And I'd go to work the next day. Oh, I feel so good. <clears throat> and then pretty soon I actually forget to get up and spend that time with God. And all of a sudden, after about a week or two, I became really irritable. I had less patience and I'm going and I didn't feel right. I didn't have that joy was gone. Bottom line, the joy in the presence of God. God doesn't leave us, but I left him and I didn't realize it. And then I'd have to say, what is wrong with me? Maybe I'm losing it. Maybe I should teach anymore. Something's wrong. I'm not I'm not capable. <laughs> I'm losing it. And then I think, wait a minute. How long has it been since I've gotten up early in the morning and spent time with God with God alone with him? And I'd realize, uh-oh, it's been about a week or two. That's it. Next morning, set my alarm, get back on track, get in that presence of God, sets my mindset for the day, and I'm on a roll again. It doesn't mean that I don't divert, but it does mean that I know where to get back on track. I'm much more eager to get back on track. I'm much more, here's the key, folks. I'm much more alert to get back on track because I had my good time with the Lord in that morning, prayed on the way to work. And then I'm also more prayerful. I pray for the kids instead of getting irritated with them. I pray for the teachers. I pray for the principals, you know? And so when I did divert or I'd get a little angry or I'd get a little momentary 
you know, emotional flare. It's like, wait a minute, nope. And I get back in that presence of God, and it's wonderful. It's practicing the presence of God, like Brother Lawrence said. Yeah, and I think a key thought or a key th- question to ask yourself whenever you're doing different <laughs> things or watching different things or having a conversation is this bringing me closer to God mm. or is it bringing me further away from God? Because there's really no in between. There's so many things that are fruitful and good. But even the words that come out of my mouth, is this bring, are these words bringing me closer to God? Are they bringing the person that I'm speaking to closer to God? Or am I potentially causing them to stray a little bit in their thoughts? So it's constantly thinking about those things as well. And then by doing that, you start to feel um, more joy because you're in His presence. You're, you're focusing more on him than anything else. Amber, you just reminded me of something that <clears throat> my youth pastor said to me decades ago that I've held on to all this time. When you said, is this bringing me closer to God or further away from God? My youth pastor, Brad, said one night to all of us, there's no such thing as black or white. I mean, no such thing as gray. There's only black and white. And I thought, what? He said, it's either right or it's wrong, but there's no gray. Well, in our culture, we always refer to, well, that's just the gray area. It's okay. It's just, you know, it's just a little bit. It's a little that. But what Amber said, does it bring me closer to God or is it taking me away? Okay. And so ever since then, I have actually meditated seriously on that statement. And I thought, and I've even asked God, I've talked to God. I said, Lord, what do you mean there's no gray? I mean, is Brad right? And God showed me. He said, it's about motives. It's about motives. Just to talk about something really simple. Shopping. Simple stuff, okay? Buying anything is not bad in itself. It's why I buy. Do I have the money? Is it prideful? Do I want to get the oohs and ahs and compliments from other people? Or is it just pure joy? Thank you, Lord. This is really great. What a blessing. Whatever. But it's about the intent of the heart. That's what makes things black and white. So we have to also ask God. There's a verse in the Bible where it's saying, you know, guard my heart and asking God to reveal to us our motives to keep our heart pure like what Amber read. That is so important to ask God to guard our hearts. Yeah, I agree. And it's something that, you know, it'll be a continual practice. And I hope that by listening to this, that you feel encouraged. And one thing, knowing that you're not alone. When yeah. you feel all the struggle and you're like, but but I'm a believer and I shouldn't feel this way. And, and mom and I were talking mm. about this morning how Jesus said that we will experience trials, but our hope is found in him because he has overcome the world. And he's overcome all the different struggles that we have endured and that we will endure and that in all that we can have hope. Guys, I hope that you have a wonderful week. We will be praying over you, praying that you um, experience his presence and that with each moment and each thing that you face that you're able to put your trust in him. Thank you, Amber. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening and God bless you all. We hope you have a great week. Be light. Be light. (laughs) Have a good week and be light. light.